Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mike on Mike Wadecast. You know, I got some interesting feedback from my last Wadecast. My friend Rick said, go 10 minutes. Now, he's a smart guy. He's very successful. So if he's kind enough to listen and make a suggestion, then I should be grateful and grab it. I actually have a copy of one of the shows that the two of us hosted way back in the day on the alt-access channels that aired on Manhattan Cable. They had these fringe access channels with letters, no numbers. And I think we were on Channel C. I (laughs) I think that's right. All you had to do was buy 30 minutes. Okay, and I think it was 30 bucks. And you could do whatever you wanted. We had guests. We took calls. It was live, totally unfiltered, uncensored. If anyone watched, it was probably because they just wanted to see this train wreck that was happening, not necessarily for the entertainment value. And we called our show, What's Next? And we would have record promoters on. I remember how cool it was uh, when we interviewed Allison Steele, the Nightbird, one of the most famous New York Air personalities ever. But my favorite episode was when we had Ugly George as a guest. Ugly George wasn't a bad-looking guy, but you could spot him coming a mile away. Again, not because of his looks, but because he wore this silver one-piece jumpsuit that was cut pretty short, kind of like a, a naughty flight attendant from Southwest Airlines back in the day when flight attendants wore hot pants. So he had that look going for him, and he had this huge camera backpack, and he, he had this microphone, and he took to the streets. As a matter of fact, that's how I met him, just by random chance. We kind of kept bumping into each other, and so I invited him to come on our show. Why? Because he had this knack for being able to talk to women and asking them to step into an out-of-the-way place and flash him on camera. Now, could he get away with doing that today? Uh, Probably not. But again, the 80s were a different time. So Rick and I wanted to know how he did it, why he did it, why women would do it, and kind of what his plan was, as in, was this something he was going to do forever, or was there some kind of a method, because the guy was clearly no dummy. And he had this huge following on his own cable TV show, and Rick... Uh, because he was the music director at the time at WXLO and uh, went on to become one of the most successful people in the music business ever. And I was doing the afternoon show while I also did voiceovers and took acting lessons. And I kind of pretty much stayed in my lane for my 44 years in radio. And Rick went on to be this huge (laughs) successful guy. So we had this promotion thing in our blood and we wanted our show to grow. And we knew if we could get that guy on, he had a lot of fans who were going to watch and maybe we could keep, keep some of those people. So the big night arrives and George shows up in costume and we're on the air, maybe two minutes and the power goes out. I mean, mysteriously, we go off the air. And it just so happens that the guy who was in charge of those crazy off-the-wall channels didn't like George. And that guy, who had never been to one of our shows, just happened to be in the control room that night. The only night we ever got our plug pulled. Now, being in radio, we knew it was an opportunity missed. However, 
uh, there was some value in being able to promote the fact that we did a show that was basically censored on a cable system that on those channels, I mean, you had naked people talking to each other. So it, it was anything goes. So it, it worked to our advantage to be able to promote this, that we lost a show because this thing happened. Well, eventually what happened was the show kind of ran its course. We quit doing it. It was fun. It was fun to be part of the Wild West of black and white cable TV. Yeah, black and white. None of the alphabet channels were in color. You just had to provide your own director, your own audio engineer, and someone to run the camera, which we did. And we all did it for fun. Plus, it was cool to have Rick as a partner. And I'm not sure that I've ever really thanked him enough for taking that chance uh, with me. You know, when you're young, and I was in my mid-20s, you, you just kind of sometimes take those things for granted. So, I'm speaking just for me, Rick is still one of the smartest guys in the room. Just Google him, Google Hitmaker, if you want to find out more about him. So now, now you understand why Rick's comment on my last Wadecast was, next time do 10 minutes, then I'm shooting for 10 minutes. And I thanked him on Facebook, but I also wanted to issue a public thank you. I'm very appreciative that he actually listened to the last Wadecast. So let me tell you why it's taken so long to get around to doing this one. A couple of Thursday mornings ago, I'm up, I've had coffee, I feel great, I'm already working on uh, topics for this discussion group I lead on Sunday mornings, and I realize, oh wow, it's already 10.15 and I haven't had my banana smoothie. Well, I need to go make that. And my sweet wife, who, who works from home, I uh, ask her on the way to the kitchen, hey, honey, do you need anything? She says no. And it was about that time that I started freezing. I mean, my arms were shaking. I was so cold. Interesting that my hands weren't cold. I was just, it felt like I was shaking from the inside out. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was happening. I just knew it wasn't good. So I took some Theraflu and ibuprofen, and I tell her, hey, I'm going to go sleep this off. Well, about five hours later, I get up. I sit on the side of the bed. I don't have any chills. I feel pretty good. And I slowly stand up. I do what in Tai Chi is called a standing meditation. And when I feel the blood flowing down into my fingertips, I know my circulation's good, but I am really hungry. And I'm not sure what the best thing to eat would be, so I'm thinking, well, why don't we just start with that smoothie I never got around to uh, making? And I walk by the office door, and my loving wife offers to make it for me. And I said, no, 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 you're working. I got it, I got it. I'm in the kitchen. I'm making the smoothie. I wash the blender like all good husbands do. Nothing dirty left in the sink. The smoothie is in the glass, on the counter, ready to drink. And the next thing I know, I'm laying face down on the kitchen floor. And I have no memory of how that happened. Well, my poor wife hears this crash and comes racing into the kitchen. And if you remember the famous call by Howard Cosell when Muhammad Ali clocked Joe Frazier, well, this was my down goes Frazier moment. The next thing I know, she's asking me if I'm all right. And all I see is wood floor. And actually, I I thought I'd fallen out of bed during my nap and how embarrassing that was. We're like, man, we're going to have to get some hospital rails on this bed. Well, no, what happened was I blacked out. And that has never happened. It wasn't like Tim Conway's old man falling down a flight of stairs in slow motion. This was like being a string puppet and somebody cut the strings. So 
she's on the phone with 911, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get wheeled out of here up our long driveway to the street, and this is going to be like the perp walk of shame or the walk of shame where you're sneaking out of someone's apartment the morning after the night you just met someone. But this is going to be like the senior walk of shame. They're going to, it's, it's the role of shame. Now, I should tell you at this point that I cut my head and um, I could feel this really big knot and, and my back looks like I was given an Old Testament whooping. Somehow, I have these injuries on my back, but I land on my chest. And, and we have both studied the scene of the crime and we think what happened was I kind of fell backwards into the island that we have in the kitchen and I slid down over the drawer pulls and that flipped me over like a pancake. Mancake, by the way, is my new pledge name. So, cut to the ER. They give me fluids, and instantly, my blood pressure goes from 87 over 70 to 134 over 90. In, like, nothing flat. And they do this MRI of my head to make sure everything is where it's supposed to be, and, and they find that everything's good, and now we get to treat my wound. About that, the ER guy asked my wife if I was uh, uh, bleeding, and she says yes, and they ask her if she can find the wound. And it was really hard to tell where it was coming from, but she says, yeah, I think it's on the side of his head. And they say, okay. Emergency operator says, what you want to do is you want to, you want to get a towel and just on both sides of his head just apply pressure. Well, we didn't find out until we got to the ER that it was actually the back of my head. So this would be like cutting a hole in the top of a tomato and then squeezing from both sides to stop the icky stuff from coming out. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The LW, the lovely wife, eh, not so much. The ER tech, who was superb in his care, tells me that I'm going to need a couple of staples. And I ask, does that mean you have to make a Home Depot run or you got to call maintenance? How does that, how does that work? He goes, no, no, we, we got a, a staple gun thing that we use in here all the time. I'll be right back. Well, when he comes back, I said, you're not going to knock me out for this or or dead in the area, you're just going to jam it in there like you're installing crown molding? And he says, no, 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 no. Uh, we're going to give you a shot to dead in the area. Which, by the way, turned out to be three shots. And he was a really nice guy. I I'm not sure when he pivoted into the dentist from the Little Shop of Horrors, but suddenly he's morphed into Steve Martin. And I feel these shots uh, that were a little uncomfortable, but I, I never actually felt the staples going in which I pictured as being like the really long kind, like when they staple your will and medical power of attorney together, just these big, thick stack of papers, you know, and you just really want to whack it to make sure they all get attached. So when the blood work comes back, the, the guy tells me, uh, you've got pneumonia. And I said, well, I can't have pneumonia. I took the pneumonia shot. And he said, well, your test results say otherwise. So I, I was glad to know that this wasn't an old man thing. It was pneumonia. Uh, not a bug or a virus, and my body was trying to fight it off, but it couldn't because I was dehydrated and I hadn't eaten anything all day. Okay, so lesson learned. Then he tells me they're going to have to admit me because tomorrow they, they want to uh, do an echocardiogram. And that, by the way, was the first night I had ever stayed in a hospital, ever. So I, I've been pretty fortunate, right? Well, it's the dawning of a new day, and before I know it, they're ready to wheel me down to get my heart sonogrammed. Bada-bing, I'm in, bada-boom, I'm back. And then shortly thereafter, this cardiologist walks in. And he says, how you feeling? And I say, well, I feel great. He says, you want to take a walk? I say, where are my shoes? Now, my room was right 
by the nurse's station. And shout out to them because, boy, they couldn't have been nicer. And we got out of the room and um, no walker or anything, but we walked to the nurse's station to the end. We turned around. We're heading right back to the room. And I said, you know, would it be okay if we went down this long hallway and back? And he says, sure. And I wanted to do that, well, for me, just a little confidence builder, but also more for him so he could see that I was good to go. And sure enough, the next thing I know, the nurse says, okay, call your wife. You are out of here. So basically, I rolled in about 5 Thursday afternoon, and I rolled out around 1 o'clock Friday afternoon. And they tell me, hey, you're going to want to wait, you know, four or five days or so to have those staples removed. And I said, what? They don't dissolve? And they said, no, those are stitches. To which I said, you do realize I just suffered a head trauma. <laughs> and and um, the doctor, I, I, you know, I call my regular doctor and I go in and he checks me out. He says, OK, let's get those staples out of there. And again, I asked, do you knock me out? Is there a tank of nitrous oxide laying around that's not being used for anything? He says, no, no, no. We, we just yank him out. Let me go get the tool for that. I'll be right back. So he's gone maybe 10 seconds. And when he comes back, he says, you want to see it? And I said, no, 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 just do your thing, because I'm figuring it, 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 this tool probably looks like a pair of channel locks. And he proceeds to remove the first staple. And I thought it took a really long time to get that thing out of there, like it was coming from my brain stem. And it stung a little. And I asked, okay, is that it? And he goes, well, no, we got one more. So I brace myself and... Luckily, that one just kind of pops right out. So he tells me, there's no cardiologist uh, you need to go see. He, he wasn't concerned because it, it wasn't a random act of timber, like a mighty oak falling. It was the pneumonia thing. And me not realizing to take it nice and slow when you want to make something to eat because you're starving. Uh, my left arm's still a little sore. I'm rehabbing that. My back looks like Father Marin splashed holy water on it. But all in all, I was very lucky. And I continue to be. I have a beautiful, loving wife who bandages me because there's no way I can do it by myself. And I'm mortified that she was mortified when she raced into the kitchen to see what that crashing noise was she heard. And thank goodness she still works from home and that I didn't fall forwards instead of backwards. And I'm also very lucky to have friends who check up on me. Now, I knew things were getting back to normal when my wife told me to stop playing the head trauma card, to which I said, honey, you can never go wrong playing the hits. But for you, I'll put that into lunar rotation, which is a, a reference to music rotations at radio stations. I worked for a guy once who had a list of songs that he called Oh Wow Songs. But he didn't want them played all the time. He only wanted them played every full moon, hence the lunar rotation. So now the head trauma card is in lunar rotation, and I have now brought back the tinnitus card, and it's number one on the list of top ten excuses of how to get out of doing something. Oh, sorry, honey, couldn't hear you over the maddening ring in my ears from all of the years of having my headphones too loud, which gets me back to broadcasting and the great Rick Bisaglia. He said go for 10, and here we are. So I'd like some comments about how you wound up in the ER. Maybe some of your rehab stories, good and bad. Just leave your hot takes. You can do it on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, or MikeOnMike.com. Mike on M-I-C. And if you subscribe, you'll get a notification of when the next Waycast drops, which is probably a poor choice of words. I'm ready. How about you? Let's get this conversation started. This has been the Mike on Mike Waycast. 
Thanks for listening. 